Psalm 37, a Psalm of David. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself, because of him it prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any ways to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Amen. And we know that God will add his own blessing to the reading of his word. Let's just pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Write it upon our hearts. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen and amen. We're going to take two weeks at the Psalm 37. Psalm 37, of course, is one of the, the longer psalms in the Psalter. It is often a psalm that we quote, particularly these opening words, fret not thyself because of evildoers. And from that perspective, for many, it's one of the favorite psalms in the book. Uh, tonight we're going to just take those opening words, fret not thyself, and we're going to think upon those words in the light of the opening verses of the psalm. And then next week we're going to take another well-known phrase from the, the psalm that we actually find in the verse 9, the last verse that we read this evening, but we find it again in verse 11. And in many ways these words while they were also quoted by the Savior in the Sermon on the Mount, these words are a theme of the 37th Psalm, but we'll come to that next week. But the meek shall inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. So we'll think of that next week. But let's look at these words, fret not thyself. And these are words that we need. Because in this day and age, God's word is mocked. God's word is undermined. It seems in the part of the world where we live that evil is right in the ascendancy. But the command that we get from the scripture here, it is a command that we are not to be fretful. We're not to be overly anxious about anything that's going on in the world or even anything that's going on in our own lives. And so let us just think about uh, this, this disease of fretting just for a, a few moments. And, and let's see what we can learn about this disease in the light of the Psalm 37. Fretting or anxiety or deep despondency is a kind of a disease, isn't it? And it is a disease that we're all prone to. It's part of our nature. We become disheartened. We get discouraged. And sometimes it even goes further than that. We grow jealous. We grow bitter. We grow angry. Fretting can rob us of our health, it can rob us of our sleep, it can make us very ill. It's a dreadful thing whenever something gets in on us. And this is what David is exhorting us to do here. We're not to be fretful. And I suppose the fact that he's saying it in this way teaches us that there's something we can do to rid ourselves of this disease. And we'll think about that 
in a few moments. But why was David fretting? You see, the reason why David was writing these words is because he was fretting himself. He knew what it was like to be in this position. And when you look at some of the phrases in the psalm, we begin to understand why David felt this way. He talked about being envious against the workers of iniquity, fretting, leading to envy. And he's seeing the workers of iniquity being successful. He's feeling envious of their success. And that was his admission. You come down to verse 12. Look at what he says there. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The, the wicked seeking to destroy the people of God, gnashing upon them with their teeth. Then you look at verse 14. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. You see, it will always be the case that the spirit of the world will be diametrically opposed to the people of God and to the things of God and to the word of God and what we stand for. And we should never put ourselves into a position where we want to make ourselves more accommodating to the spirit of the world because the spirit of the world never was friendly towards the things of God and we should never compromise or sell the truth. And you look at verse 21, he talks about the, the character of the wicked. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again. And so he was looking at wicked people. Not only were they seeking to destroy the people of God, but they had lives that were corrupt, morally corrupt. They were financially corrupt. And then you look at verse 35, the last verse we're just going to look at as we look at the the anxiety David felt in relation to the wicked. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. And so he's watching and he's observing society. He's observing what's going on in the world. And we have observed these things. The wicked growing in power, spreading themselves, growing ever more influential. These are the kinds of things that would cause David to feel uh, despondent. He feels despondent because God's law has been put down. He feels despondent because God's righteousness is undermined. He's feeling despondent because there just seems to be a total lack of injustice in it all. And we get a sense of that. And there are so many matters in the world today that would cause us to fret. And some of the things David saw, we see as well. But there are also things individually and personally that would make us fret because we do worry. We worry about our health. We worry about our businesses. We worry about our children. We worry about our homes. Every one of us worry in so many respects. And the general burdens of life, and the burdens of life are individual to every person. And what is burdening you may not be burdening me, but together we have a burden. And as we face the burdens of life, the trials of life, well, there are times we, we fret. And for some, these burdens are especially acute. Uh, there's pain and there's grief and there's despair. And all of these things have the potential to make us sick. But they can also disrupt our walk with God. Because whenever we fret, we can lose touch with the Lord and we're not filled with his peace. And so fretting can be a spiritual problem. Something is dangerous for our souls as well as our bodies and our minds. And so David is speaking to us here, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and 
God, of course, knows human nature. He knows exactly what we're like because the scripture says that he knoweth our frame. He remembers that we are dust and he is aware of the frailties that afflict us. And as God is aware of our frailties, he's coming to us and he's saying, look, fretting is a real problem, but I'm telling you something here. The word from the Lord, fret not thyself. And so that's the, the disease of fretting. Let's think about the deliverance now. The deliverance from fretting. The Word of God is teaching us that this is a disease that we can conquer. There's a cure for this disease. And God gives us specific instructions how we can gain the victory and how we can replace the negativity with positivity. And that's exactly what he's telling us. He's saying, don't be negative about everything that's going on. Be positive, and I'm going to show you how you can be positive. And so what David is doing, and the Holy Ghost is inspiring him, he's showing us how to have a positive spiritual mindset, even when there is so much bad news around us. And the words of verse 2 really set the tone for this positive spiritual mindset. He says in verse 1, Don't be envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. And we'll come and we'll think about all of that next week because the latter stages of the psalm, David goes into that in more detail. But safe to say this for now, the wicked will never prosper. They will prosper for a little while but they will fail. They will always fail. They always have failed. They always will fail. They shall be cut down the grass and wither as the, the green herb. Whenever we look at the, the film presentation of the life of uh, John Wycliffe, we'll discover something. That his enemies, the people that oppose him, the people that tried to destroy him, people that spent their whole lives trying to destroy what that man stood for, we don't remember any of their names. Their names are there, but their names are not written in lights in history. They're gone, but John Wycliffe's name continues because he did a work for God. And the, the same is true of the work that he did. The work that he did was a lasting work, but the work that the enemies of the gospel did, that work failed. And Many, many decades after Whitcliffe died, the people were still reading the Bible that he translated into English. And that book never died. And so we see this illustrated over and over and over in, in, in church history. And it will be illustrated over and over in the years that lie ahead. And all of these wicked people that we see are rising with all of their agendas and ideas and ungodliness. They're just going to wither as the green herb. That's what the Bible says they will never be successful. And so I, I think that helps us to put everything in perspective. And we should always try and keep things in perspective as we look at what's going on in the world. So with that in mind, <coughs> David gives us four things that we need to do in order that we might have this positive spiritual mindset. What is it to have a positive spiritual mindset? How we can have such a mindset? The first is trust in the verse 3. 
trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land verily, thou shalt be fed. Now, we have the positive mindset here is trust, and trust, of course, is faith. We are to have faith. We respond to everything that's going on in the world and our lives. Faith, we trust in the Lord. But then there's a command attached to the word trust. Do. We're to do something. We're to do good. So if we truly trust in the Lord, we'll do good. People that trust in the Lord don't do bad. They do good. And there's a promise attached to it. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. And just contrast that with what he said about the wicked. They will be cut down like the grass. They will wither as the green herb. It's going to happen soon. But you just trust in the Lord. You keep doing good. You keep doing God's work. You keep doing what's right. You'll dwell in the land. You're going to be fed. God's going to look after you. How important it is just to keep trusting. We hold on to the Lord through trusting him, through believing him. Is that not what Job did? Whenever he lost absolutely everything, he said in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though God comes and kills me, I'm going to keep trusting him. Is that not what Abraham did when God said, take your son, your only son, and take him up to that mountain and there offer him for a sacrifice? There Abraham went and he believed that God was able to raise up Isaac from the dead. He trusted and it's just having that spiritual grounding whereby we can just keep trusting the one that's in control at all times. Because God will preserve his people. God will preserve his word. God's cause will never perish. It's the kind of God he is. And so... Fretting, and, and let's face it, we're all guilty of it. We all worry. Let, let's face it, you know, we all grow anxious by times. But fretting, actually, it, it, it's saying that God can't look after us. God can't care for us. And the, the response is faith. Just trust him. And so that's the first thing, is trust. The next thing is delight. We come to verse 4. He says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now, this moves us from trusting to enjoying delight. You don't need me to tell you that delight is a delightful word. It's a beautiful word. It's a wonderful word. It's a happy word. It's a joyful word. It's the word delight. Faith which is morbid is not faith. Faith which is not enjoyable is not faith. Faith that doesn't give us pleasure is not faith. There's something wrong with the kind of a religion that never creates a smile. Something wrong with the kind of religion that deprives us of the real enjoyment of life. So if we have faith and if we're trusting in the Lord, we will delight ourselves in the Lord. And let's face it, if God is so great, he's in control of absolutely everything. Nothing's beyond him. He is the God who will always vindicate his righteous name. He is the God who loves us so much. And if he does care for us to such a degree, then we must find our delight in him. Now, as Christians, we don't find our joy in our circumstances. At least not all the time. There are circumstances in life that are happy and joyful. And we have delight in those things. And we do rejoice in all the good things God has given to us. But 
the circumstances that come our way and they're not delightful and they're not joyful and they're not happy. Circumstances we would rather not be in. Situations we'd rather not face. Things that we would run a million miles from but yet God has placed us in a position where we have to face those things. And we don't find joy in those circumstances. But yet, through it all, we can never cease delighting in the Lord. Isn't that what Nehemiah said? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Just to keep our hearts fixed upon the Lord. There's a delight there. There, there, There's a well there that will never run dry. And so whatever we're going through tonight, whatever we're facing, whatever's causing us anxiety, let's drink of that well. Let's go down into the depths of that well and discover Christ more and more that we might be thrilled with him. You know, he gives a promise attached to this mindset of delight. Delight thyself also in the Lord. And what's going to happen? He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. You see, somebody whose heart is filled with delighting in the Lord will have good desires, proper desires, wholesome desires. There are desires that we have that we're, we're, we're better not enjoying because there wouldn't be an enjoyment to them. There are desires we have that the Lord rightfully withholds from us because they're not right. And human nature and wicked human nature is all kinds of things that are wrong. But when we delight ourselves in the Lord and find our joy in him, our desires will be good. Our desires will be in agreement to the will of God and those desires will be met. And those are the desires that are of the heart. And we often say it is so important that a person's heart be right with the Lord. There's only one person can read your heart and my heart, and that's the Lord. And all of our hearts are absolutely transparent to him. Let us pray tonight that the Lord would help us to delight ourselves in him more. That we would have desires that are agreeable to God, and when we pray those desires through, we'll see those desires coming to pass because they are desires that were born in heaven itself that God has put into our hearts. And may the Lord help us just to delight in him tonight, that we won't be filled with these kinds of desires. The hymn writer said, Oh, I delight in his command. Love to be led by his dear hand. His divine will is sweet to me. Hallowed by blood-stained Calvary. His divine will is sweet to us when we delight ourselves in him. Spurgeon said, Bad men delight in carnal objects. Do not envy them if they are allowed to take their fill in such vain idols. Look thou to thy better delight and fill thyself to the full with thy sublimer portion. Why should we envy the wicked who seem to be successful because their delight is in such evil things? Oh, the things that the people of this world delight in. But we have a better delight. It's our portion. Let us enjoy that this evening. And then we come to the fifth, or we come to the fifth verse, we come to the third spiritual mindset positive mindset we should have as Christians. Not only should we trust, not only should we delight, but we should also commit. And there's actually two, there's two verses here for this one. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as 
the noonday. This world suffers the effects of God's curse. The effects of the curse are all around us. This is a broken world. We feel and we experience the brokenness of this world every day. But in this broken world, we can commit every eventuality to God. And there is nothing that is just an eventuality. We use that word eventuality, the things that will just happen, but nothing just happens. Everything by him is planned. And so we can look ahead into the future, not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring, not knowing what the next minute is going to bring, but we can commit it all to the Lord because he's got it all under control. So we trust in the Lord, we delight ourselves in the Lord, and we just go ahead into tomorrow, into the next day, into the next year, knowing that he's in charge, committing every way, committing every path to him. William de Burr, a commentator in the Psalms, he looked at this in the Hebrew, and this is the phrase he came up with. This word commit, he said it actually means roll thy way upon. Just take your ways and roll them upon. And then he said, as one who lays upon the shoulder of one stronger than himself a burden that he is not able to bear, and let's face, none of us can bear the burdens of tomorrow. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Just take the burdens of tomorrow and roll them onto his shoulder. And something's going to happen when we do that. We will trust in him. We'll keep trusting. See the emphasis upon trust, 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 commit, trust. And he shall bring it to pass. He'll look after you, he says. And then look at verse 6. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Your righteousness will be made apparent for all to see. Your wisdom, your judgment will be there in the noon. You will be vindicated. There are times we don't feel vindicated for what we stand for. But God always vindicates his people. What is true, what is honorable, what is right? Them that honor me, I will honor. That's the promise that comes with committing our ways unto the Lord. That's the promise for tomorrow. That's the promise for next year. Let's look at the, 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 the final mindset we need to learn to develop. So there is trust, there is delight, there is commit, and then there is rest. Rest. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him that prospereth in his way. See, he's coming back to this fretting not again. Because of him that prospereth in his way. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Resting. Resting. We, we rest on God. We just rest on God. You know, whenever you, you think of fretting, you're restless, aren't you? You know, your mind is restless and you're just filled with all kinds of questions and the whys and the wherefores, they all come and they bubble about and it's just that restlessness and we all know what that feels like. But here is the heart learning to rest in the Lord. And in this gospel era, in this New Testament era, we know more of this than David knew. Because we rest in Christ. We rest in that finished work. We rest in the blood that was shed 
We rest on the promises of Scripture. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Not condemned. To be able to stand before God, the judge of all, and know that we're not condemned. We're not guilty. Every sin is under the blood. To know that the Spirit is bearing witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. To know that nothing can separate us from his love. To know that we have come to God and him that cometh to me, I will never cast out. Oh, there's an anchor. We've cast our souls on that anchor. We're in that haven of rest. We're safe in the arms of Jesus. Theodore Monod wrote, On thee my heart is resting. Ah, this is rest indeed. What else Almighty Savior can offer sinner need? You see, we have everything in Christ. Absolutely everything. And we just need to rest on him. And then there is a command that comes with this resting. We're to rest, we're not to fret. Two things contradict each other. We either rest or we fret. We either fret or we rest. We need to be resting. And then he says in verse 8, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any ways to do evil. Don't be like the evil people around you. Don't be fretful. Don't be anxious. But cease from anger and forsake wrath. Don't be overwhelmed with bitterness at the state of the world. Sometimes we can say the truth in an angry way. You ever feel yourself like that? You know, you're, you feel as if you want to say something that's right, but you're angry as you say it. And, and that, of course, defeats the whole purpose of it because our spirits can be wrong. So cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Be still in your heart and know that God is God. Ultimately, believing knowing that he is in control. And that's true of all the affairs of the world. It's true of the affairs of our own nation. It's true of our own personal affairs. God's in charge. Therefore, let us do these four things. Trust, delight, commit, and rest. May the Lord bless these thoughts to your heart and to your soul this evening. Let's get before the Lord for prayer. As we pray this evening, do please remember our sick. Uh, pray for Mrs. Boyd, that she would continue to recover from her surgery, that she'll know God's help, God's grace. Pray for Sharon, she's still in hospital. Pray that she would know God's help and God's grace as she recovers. Please pray for Mr. Gillespie there at home. And remember Jane as well. Others that are sick, others that are laid aside, others that can't get out, remember each one of them, Mrs. Honeyman, Mr. and Mrs. Coles, others that aren't out with us. Pray the Lord will bless them and encourage them at this time. Remember those that mourn, remember particularly Gary Cook and his family, that they will know God's grace and God's help. Uh, pray for uh, youth on, on, on Friday night, and Neville's taking that. Pray for the children as they have heard the word tonight in Claremore, and tomorrow night as the children hear the word here, and for the meeting in the Lord's day. Bring these matters, please before the Lord. So let's wait on the Lord now and let's seek his face together and let's call upon him.